Welcome to the Boom Boom Performance Podcast, your resource for science-based training and nutrition, data-driven coaching, and education-focused content. Before we get into this podcast, I just want to say thank you for taking the time to listen and learn with me so that you can apply what you are about to learn, take my strategies, use these tools, and finally have some serious methods to see sustainable success with your physique, your mind, and your life. This podcast was built on the foundation of applied education, and I'm excited for you to be here so you can have that experience with me. Now, without any further ado, let's get on to the show. Today, we have a very special guest, actually one of my mentor clients. This is the first time I've ever had a client on the podcast, so I'm excited to bring this conversation to you, Um, not only because she is a client and I know her very well and her story is awesome, she is very impactful to the people she works with, she is somebody that I see a lot of empathy and a lot of connection, um, some human connection, a lot of conversation. Um, And just a lot of, uh, quote unquote, go giving inside of her as a coach. She is just one of those people that is extremely positive, extremely happy, and just always has the other individual, no matter what scenario it is, always has the other individual's uh, thoughts and well-being in mind above all else. She is just the epitome of a go-giver. Highly, highly respect her um, and just really love her as a person. She's a great individual. And the person I am talking about is Jen Ryan. She has been featured on quite a few pretty big podcasts lately. She is the coach to Lauren Fisher, amongst other CrossFit Games competitors. She is a CrossFit Games competitor herself. She is an athlete and a coach for many uh, clients in the nutrition space, in the nutrition world. She is a nutrition coach is what I'm getting at. Um, she is a athlete and a coach at Invictus, which is a very well-known, notorious CrossFit gym. Um, she is just all around a really good person, a really good athlete, and a really great coach. And she works with some of the top people in her space. So I'm excited to bring her on and really just have coaching talk. We definitely dive into what it takes to coach female competitors, female athletes, and female general population clients to the best ability because we do dive into some body image stuff. We dive into some eating disorder stuff, and we dive into some specifics when it comes to coaching competitors in the CrossFit world. But I think you're going to get a lot out of this conversation. It's just two coaches going over their thought processes and philosophies when it comes to coaching and really humanizing the process so people can see the best results possible. Guys, if you enjoy this podcast, please do me one huge favor. Head over to iTunes, leave us a five-star rating review, and take a screenshot of the show right now. Head over to Instagram, tag myself on your story at Cody.BoomBoom and at Jen underscore underscore Ryan. That is two underscores. Tag us both. We want to see who's listening to this podcast. We want to thank you for listening, and we want to know that you are getting the most out of this episode. All right, guys, without any further ado, let's get on to this awesome episode with Jen Ryan. All right, Jen Ryan, this is round two. Um, this is this is actually really cool because number one, um, I'm very close to you, obviously. Uh, I mentor you and I get to watch you grow and we get to talk every single week. So I know you really well and it's exciting for me because I've never actually had a client on the podcast. So this is going to be really fun because I get to share how awesome you are and what you're doing. Um, and it's also cool because we tried to record this once and the recording got messed up. And then we tried to record it again and I got sick. And then I was still sick, so we pushed it back even further. And then now you're sick, and I was like, <laughs> hopefully we can get this done. So we're getting it done now. Uh, but Jen Ryan, welcome to the podcast. Give the audience um, your synopsis. Like, who is Jen Ryan? We'll start with that. I'll put you okay, on the spot. First off, thank you for having me. I'm excited. That's kind of cool. I didn't know that you haven't had any of your clients on before, so that's kind of fun. Yeah. Um, but anyways, who am I? Um, I am a 39-year-old who is still trying to figure out, I suppose, um, how to continue creating impact in my life uh, for other people. Um, I'm a CrossFit athlete. I've been competing in CrossFit since since regionals um, of 2011. Um, I had started a few years before that. I've been to the games uh, the past three years. Um, I'm also, uh, I've been an ER nurse for 10 and a half years up until uh, recently. 
I've been a nutrition coach for gosh, four or five years now, I think, officially. Uh, but you know, before that, uh, as I was a CrossFit coach, I was helping people with their nutrition. Um, I come from my background is played a lot of sports growing up. I think um, even when I was eight, nine years old, playing soccer, um, and then teenager, I played all kinds of sports in high school. I was literally playing a sport every, um, like every semester, um, every time there was a new sport coming up, that's what I was doing. And I became interested in health and nutrition, honestly, from that age. I can remember um, being 15, 16 years old and taking my own like fat-free salad dressing to uh, school with me so I could get a salad um, at school and have um, a fat-free salad dressing and not the um, the things that they had available there. Of course, little did I know at the time that there was probably just a bunch of junk in that <laughs> that fat-free salad dressing, right. um, like a lot of sugar. Um, it was like a raspberry fat-free vinaigrette with like all kinds of crap in it. But um, at any rate, I became very self-conscious um, um, and aware, I suppose, of um, health and nutrition even back then. Um, yeah, so that's kind of continued to drive my passion. Uh, I think the reason I've gotten to the point where I'm at um, and have chosen the route that I've taken as becoming a, um, a nutrition coach is because I suffered from um, eating disorders um, back when all the way from high school all the way through a few years ago, actually. And, um, you know, for me, it's really important to be able to help people understand things a little bit better and how hopefully they don't have to take the route that I did. Yeah. I love it too, because you've like literally walked the walk in so many different areas. And I think that's so important. Um, like truly great coaching has a big emphasis of empathy involved in it, right? Like you really have to feel what the client is going through and you can honestly say that. Um, but I will say too, like you're very humble, you're very intelligent and you work with some of the top level athletes in the CrossFit games. You've been to the CrossFit games yourself. You train at one of the most notorious CrossFit gyms. So like she's being humble when she tells her story, but she is like the highest level of athlete in my opinion. So um, it's really, really cool to have you on the podcast so we can kind of get that perspective, but then also the coach's perspective, which is unique because there's not that many people who play both roles, right? It's usually you're an athlete or you're a coach. Um, and this isn't something I was going to ask about, but have you always, I'm always curious about this with people, um, but I, I said this to you the other day. I was like, uh, I th actually, I think I said it in a jokingly way. I said, you're too nice. But what I meant is that you're such a go-giver. Like you're the, the epitome of a go-giver. I like to think I am as well. Have you always been that way? Like you're always, I mean, a nurse, an athlete, a friend, uh, a coach, the way you go about all these things, you're always just looking out for their best interest and just giving and giving and giving. Have you been that way for your whole life? Is there anything that motivates you to continue being that way? I, um, well, it's interesting that you put it that way. I've always been someone who wanted to please other people and to help other people. So I think, um, yeah, that's, that's an interesting way to look at it, I suppose. I was always that perfectionist and, like I said, someone who wanted to please other people. A lot of the things that I do, I didn't do it for myself. I did it to help someone else, um, or to make sure someone else was okay with whatever was going on. Um, and I mean, even, I, I guess that was the reason I went into being a nurse is because I, I wanted to be in the health and fitness industry. Um, I, at the time back in my early twenties, I kind of wanted to be a trainer. I was really excited. I wanted to help other people. Um, but I guess at the time that wasn't the route that I saw myself going. So that's why I went into nursing because I enjoyed helping others. So yeah, I guess from a younger age, that was, that was a big thing. Um, I didn't really realize that at the time. And I, even now I definitely take on that role of making sure everyone at the gym and everyone around me is feeling okay, or what can I do to help you? Or what do you have going on? And I suppose just being my age, I took that as, well, maybe that's just, <laughs> maybe that's just being motherly. Um, 
but maybe it's not. Maybe that's just how I've always been. You know, I want, um, I'm always also looking to help other people. So maybe that's a big part of it too. And I definitely always try to offer um, anything that someone needs. Hey, if you need to talk about something or if you've got something going on and you want me to help you with it, just let me know. Um, Yeah, I don't know. That's an interesting way to look at it. So let me ask you this, not to turn this into like psychology, but have you ever considered that uh, maybe subconsciously it's like a, a selfish act of being selfless. And what I mean by that, and I've talked about this before, is that you actually love the feeling it gives you when you help other people. Like on Christmas, like I love Christmas, but not because I care what people are going to give me as gifts. Like if I need something, I'm going to go buy it. I like giving things. And when I give yeah. things to people, I love like watching their reaction and getting that like endorphin high of them getting excited. Um, and that's kind of selfish because I'm doing it for me, but it's selfless because I'm giving and giving and giving. And yeah. I think that, I think it's a, a trait that a lot of like, you're a really good example of somebody too, who like, you know, you came to me and you were like, Hey, I want to like go all in on this, this business. I want to go on on this nutrition coaching thing. And I wouldn't say it's easy because it takes hard work, but things kind of came naturally to you and like things are growing and things are working really well for you. And I think this is why, like, I think it, it's one of those things where you see like people that really just start with giving an impact and like the rest kind of follows, you know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah, no, that that makes sense. And from the beginning, that was kind of always my thing, Um, especially with a lot of the athletes I worked with. A lot of times it was just like, hey, how can I help you? Or when they would come to me because they saw what I was doing and they would say, hey, Jen, you know, I I see that you're doing this or I I feel like you really kind of have some of the stuff down. Do you think you could sit and talk with me about some of this? And it, I mean, there was never a moment where I was like, yeah, here's the stipulations, you know, it was like, right. yeah, absolutely. Like whatever you need help with, like I, I do. And, and so, yeah, it definitely does give me a lot of, it, it makes me feel good when <laughs> someone does well and that actually carries over. I've been talking about this a lot in me kind of growing, um, maybe as a person as well as just like I really start to find when the people that I train with, um, women or men, when they achieve more and become more and more successful, and I've helped, I've worked with them, whether in nutrition or just training with them. And, you know, we push each other instead of feeling like it's competitive, um, or seeing it as a bad thing. It's really cool for me to be like, this is awesome. Like I helped do that. Like, yes. And that makes me so happy, which has been a huge change for me, especially with women in particular. Um, because I used to kind of see that in the competition realm as, you know, a negative and, and it would eat at me. And, and I, I, I guess it was kind of a negative thing that I saw it as, but then I think when I set out to just start helping people and I could see that me pushing in a workout or something like that kind of helped push someone else to be better. Um, yeah, I, I take a sense of pride in that. Um, and it's, it's been a big change, but I think that just goes along with wanting to continue creating impact for people and just seeing what you can do. And I think that started with the nutrition coaching side of it really when I started doing that I could also see it from other perspectives as well so like I think like this is the last thing I'll say and then I'm gonna get back in your story and just like continue to let you take the mic because I don't like talking too much when I interview people but I have to say this because it's so true and and just to echo what you're saying the word coach comes from uh, I believe it's Latin or it might be German uh, but it's like a carriage right that's why like on coach purses they have like a little coach and I always look at it like okay well a coach is to get you from point A to point B, literally, right? Where you're at to the result you want to get to. But if you look at a coach, it drives you there and you get out of the fucking coach and you walk and you go to wherever you want to be. So like if you're a coach out there and you're trying to keep on to people and you're not letting them spread their wings and fly after you've created success with them, you're not being a coach because the coach gets you to the point B, you get out and you live your life. You don't stay in the carriage forever, right? So like, I just try to like double down on that, that people need to understand that the best coaches in the world 
always lead by giving and impact, but then they also are excited for people to get out of the carriage, spread their wings and sustain the result that they're going to sustain on their own. I think that's the biggest point um, of being coach and what I'm trying to drive home. But again, back to your story, I want to dive into next, like your athletic career and kind of not only how it evolved, but why it evolved. So like, when did, what were you doing within fitness and nutrition, stuff like that before CrossFit? When did CrossFit come about? Why did it come about? And how did you like kind of build that? Because obviously it's, it's, it's more than just, oh, I like working out, right? I mean, you're in the games, like it's, it's a pretty serious thing. So how did that evolve? Yeah. Um, so all throughout my 20s, I, I was always in the gym. So I think people think it's kind of strange that as an elite athlete, even in CrossFit, they're like, oh, you're in the gym like two times a day for a couple hours at a time. That's so much. But even in my 20s, I mean, I would go to the gym twice a day or I'd go to the gym for two hours and then do like an hour run like later on in the day, you know? So um, I was always, I, I always took working out as like a priority. Um, and so that's kind of my background. And I competed in team sports in, in high school. Um, I didn't play like collegiate, you know, division one sports or anything like that. I could, you know, play soccer on a club team. Um, but then all throughout my twenties, I was just, you know, I had a trainer, I, I lifted some weights. I, I would go and, you know, read my nursing notes uh, on the elliptical, things like that. Um, but just always finding ways to, to get in some kind of working out. And then when I got, when was it? 2009, I got uh, kind of conned into going to CrossFit, I guess, um, by some friends of mine that told me I would really like it and I, sh I should go. So I went in and again, mind you, at this point, I was about, I don't know, I guess 110 pounds or something, 110, 115 pounds, still under the impression that like, I need to be doing all of the cardio, all of the cardio, um, you know, and I, who knows what point I was at. I probably had tried Atkins one time. I definitely was probably back onto the low fat train. I still wasn't eating any red meat or anything besides like chicken and fish. Like I, I did that for like 15 years because like <laughs> uh, I thought that was healthy. The tabloid um, diet. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So that, that, that's the point that I was at going into CrossFit. Okay. So, um, like, uh, you know, coming home after a long night out and, uh, instead of eating like, you know, what everybody else was eating, like pizza or mac and cheese, I was like opening my can of green beans so that I wouldn't have anything bad. Like that's, that's the mindset that I was in at that time, <laughs> just to give everybody a little picture. Cause I'm sure everybody's kind of been there, you know? Yeah, um, absolutely. but anyways, so, so here I go into CrossFit and I, I, I loved it. Like from the first day I was hooked because it was a combo of, you know, a, a lighter weight with some, you know, conditioning. So like a run or something like that. And then like a body weight movement. And all of a sudden, like there was this competitive fire that came back to me and I was good at it. Right. And I, I was kind of like, oh, wow, like this is pretty fun. Um, so I wanted to keep going back. And then there would be weightlifting days where you would just do like, a, I don't know, like three by five, like jerks or something like that. And even at that point, like I was hitting like body weight and, you know, and above. Um, so I, I was doing pretty well, but I, I would still like leave from there and go to the gym and do like an hour of cardio because <laughs> I didn't think that the like just lifting was an actual workout at the time. So Fast forward to like uh, fall 2010, I did my first CrossFit competition and it was a partner competition and me and my partner took third place and I was hooked. Like that was it. I was just like, I'm awesome. Like I felt this sense of like, I had a purpose again. And that was so huge for me. Like there was a purpose to working out. There was a purpose there was just something else that I had always wanted. Like I always thought when I was a kid and just like growing up, like there was something else I wanted to do with my life. And it wasn't just the regular cookie cutter. 
I'm a woman, grow up, get married, have kids. Like nothing wrong with that. I always knew though, it wasn't for me and I wanted something more. And I swear, like when I started competing in CrossFit, I just knew that I was going to, there was something about that that was going to lead me to some, like what I knew I was supposed to do. And it's crazy looking back on it, but it got me to where I am right now, where I feel like I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm creating impact in the way that I was, I, I, not in the way that I knew I was going to when I was younger, but I knew that there was going to be a way and, and that's where I'm at right now. Mm. So in those times of starting to compete, like, I don't know, it was, it was just getting the ball rolling. So I, I competed in my first regionals in 2011. Um, I started eating red meat. <laughs> so the, the people at the gym took me out to this really awesome burger joint in Columbia, South Carolina, where I lived. And they were all just like, all right, Jen, order away. And I was like, I don't even know what to order. What do I get? And I got a burger and it was, it was the greatest day of like, <laughs> in like 15 years. Um, the rest is history, you know, but I started to look at everything differently. Um, now mind you, I still, I still had an eating disorder. Um, I, I was bulimic from the age of like 14 or 15, honestly, until the age of like 36. And yeah, like it, it had a big impact, but this was a turning point I felt like. And, um, I think it was because I, I started to have a, um, a purpose, like something else, you know? So, yeah. So two, <laughs> two quick questions, not to interrupt, but do you think that there was, I mean, first question is, do you think there was a turning point or was it just a gradual thing that eventually you realized like, man, like I have a new sense of health and, and empowerment and stuff like that. And then attached to that, when I think of CrossFit, I think of two things that I think save a lot of people who are in bad places like that. And it's a community because there's just always a badass community culture. And then B, it's performance. So you had a way of focusing your mind on a different set of goals other than being thin enough, quote unquote. Um, and you could think about how much weight is on the bar? How fast am I rowing? How fast am I going on the salt bike? What am I doing for my mile time? Things like that. Do you, do you think it was the performance goal that kind of shifted your mind or was the community like, what was that? Yeah, it was definitely the performance thing because I started to realize that I was lacking and because of like, I wanted to compete and I was a smaller athlete, you know, mind you, I was still about 115 pounds at the time. And, um, the weights of course, over the years progressively just got heavier. And I realized I need to get stronger. I need to get a little bit bigger. And so I stopped, I think being as afraid of food and yeah, being like, Oh, I need, I need to be skinnier so I can look the way I want to. And I started to understand that, oh, like, yeah, there's actually a different way than what I've been doing to get to where I want to be. And I, I didn't know that beforehand, um, before CrossFit. And I started to realize that. And I, I started to actually, you know, eat more food and not be afraid of it. And it was to fuel that performance. And, and again, because I had a different, um, a different mindset and a different purpose than just, I want to be skinny. I want to be skinny. I want to look like that person in the magazine, but shoot, everything I'm doing is just not getting me there, you know, and um, focusing more on performance and being healthier and like feeling better actually made those changes. Do you, is this something you try to focus on with clients, like really getting them to think about performance goals and, and not that we can't let people focus on weight loss, but just like have yeah. that in the back of their mind as well. Yeah, big time. And I, I like to ask people, well, you know, what is the ideal? Like, what are you trying to achieve? And so many times you hear, or I hear, well, I, I want to look like this, or I want to look like that. And what I get from that is they want to see definition and muscle and that athletic look. And so I have to have that conversation with them and say, well, when you flex your arm right now, like hard and you're flexing, I don't see anything. I literally just see like skin and that's not a bad thing, but let's talk about how this works. Let's talk about how you can start to 
get that, you know, that look that you want. Um, because it's okay to have an aesthetic goal. That's that's totally okay. Um, <clears throat> but by focusing on performance, uh, I think that that can come along with it. And so it's kind of nice to be able to talk people through what I went through and how I got to the point I'm at. Um, and, help, and, and I think by using that as an example, they can start to see and understand, like make that mindset shift a little bit. Yeah. I think it's so important for, for female coaches like you to be doing this and talking to people like this and preaching this message and, and living it because I mean, shit, we even had, uh, it took a long time, but Caroline gained 11 pounds, I think. Cause she was like, Oh, I want to build muscle. And I want to like write about it and talk about it and show people that it's not a bad thing. And, and we've actually seen a huge trend in the applications we get for coaching. There's like a drop down menu that like you can choose your goal, right? Like performance, fat loss, muscle gain or other. And the amount that I get from women that select muscle gain, but in their description, say they want to lose X amount of pounds, just tells me that people are confused with how things actually work. Yes. Um, and it's so important for us to be talking about this message because muscle is a great thing to have. It's, it's so yeah. positive. And weight's not only, like the only thing. Um, cool. I love, I love all that. Um, the next thing I wanted to touch on was uh, kind of shifting into exactly what you do as a coach, not only for yourself, because obviously you have to stay on top of your nutrition to be able to perform the way you do. Um, and I'm sure you can relate this question to your clients, but then also yourself and your past. What are the biggest mistakes you see inside of not just female nutrition, but we can actually do this two part if we want to do like female nutrition um, and CrossFit nutrition. So like the athletes you're working with, because you work with a lot of high level athletes and I would say high, high level recreational athletes. So very, very serious, but recreational. They're not maybe not in the games. What are the biggest mistakes that you see? Um, some of the biggest mistakes I see would definitely be under eating for a prolonged period of time. Um, and under eating would be being in a deficit, which as we know, isn't a terrible thing at, you know, at certain periods of time. But, mm -hmm. um, <clears throat> what I see is it seems to be happening for a very prolonged period of time. And so they're constantly under eating. I mean, we're talking, um, you know, people who are working out for at least two hours a day doing, you know, um, CrossFit workouts and then plus lifting, plus, you know, accessory work, um, plus maybe something else. And then maybe they have an active job or they're a parent that is, you know, constantly active. And, you know, they're, they're as a, a woman um, eating, you know, 14 to 1600 calories a day or even 1700. If, if there's a, a period of time where maybe you're trying to do some weight loss, or, you know, lose some body fat. Okay, we can take you through that. But what I see, unfortunately, is these uh, women who are trying to achieve these goals, um, constantly eating very, very low amounts of calories. And um, the, the concern then becomes the way they talk about how they feel, the way they talk about how they sleep, um, uh, some of the way the way they look at themselves, and um, so that's a big mistake that I see because th they're just afraid of increasing more food. Um, so again, back to what you said before, that they, they want there's confusion amongst a lot of women in particular as to um, how to achieve performance goals and these body composition goals. Um, and it's a lot of it comes down to under eating. Um, the next thing that I tend to see is uh, under eating on carbohydrates. Of course, I'm sure uh, people are pretty well aware of that at this point. Um, they they get really concerned and say, "Well, carbs make me gain weight," or "I automatically gain weight on carbs." And what they're failing to also understand is that they're eating a lot of like higher fat foods too. So they they haven't audited themselves to see that, hey what's actually happening is you're getting carbs and a lot of fats. And so that's just driving, you know, calories up kind of more, but you're also eating, you know, a very low amount of protein. And so um, it, it's just all kind of skewed the, with the goals that they have. So their recovery is not great. Um, you know, their energy is not great. They're, you know, not getting the body composition that they want. So 
um, those are some of the things I see. Um, what do you tend to do when somebody when, when somebody approaches you and they do want weight loss, but they're in this CrossFit position? Because like you said, like a deficit inherently isn't bad. Low mm-hmm. carbs technically isn't even bad at times either. But in your world, especially with CrossFit athletes, it's those are bad things. Right? You can't yeah, yeah. under fuel with such a demanding sport. But if somebody comes to you with goals of losing weight and they are in this CrossFit realm, like how do you even approach that? Yeah, it's it's definitely doable. Um, and first and foremost, I'm going to say, hey, along with the food intake, let's look at your lifestyle. Um, that's a big part of it. So I I tend to see a lot of people, another big mistake that people don't take super serious is their sleep. I like, I, I can't even tell you the differences I noticed in body composition from when I changed from night shift nursing to being, you know, a day shift, like a, a day walker, as I called it. I mean, <laughs> it was literally night and day, my body composition change. It like, it, you know, completely different. And then when I changed from, when I went from like, um, three shifts a week at the hospital where I was getting up at 5.15 in the morning. So I probably didn't fall asleep till 10.30 or 11. And I was getting like maybe six hours of sleep. Some nights if I didn't sleep well, I'd get like three. When I went to just two shifts a week or one shift a week, again, like total, like body composition got even better. And it's because I really started paying attention to making sure I was getting like eight to nine hours of sleep um, numerous nights a week. and nine hours is stretching it. That's what I'll aim for in games training. But, um, you know, a, a lot of athletes, I have to look at them and say, you are, you're aiming to go to these sanctioned events. You're aiming to maybe go, even if you're not aiming to go to the games and you're just aiming to <clears throat> lose body fat, feel better, um, have a better body composition and go to, you know, qualify for one of these sanctioned events you've got to be prioritizing sleep, like six and a half hours of sleep, five nights a week is just, we got to figure something out, you know? So that's a big thing. Um, and then I look at, well, what, what period of time are we in in the year? If it's, um, you know, if it's uh, right after the open and they've got a few months, they're not, you know, they didn't qualify through the open for the games and they're waiting to do a sanction event maybe later in the spring maybe we take like two or three months and go through a, you know, a fat loss phase. Okay. That's, that's a good time to take a look at that. Um, you know, we just take a look at the time in their competition season or in their season in general of where they're at and say, well, here's where we need to change some things up. And, and this is kind of the period of time we can do, um, each of these things, you know, uh, keeping in mind that, yeah, the weights might start feeling kind of heavy if we are in a um, you know, like a, a fat loss period. And, and you have to kind of be okay with that. Um, because I've had some, some people want to go through that time. And in check-ins, you know, they start getting concerned. Oh, man, like, weights are starting to feel really heavy. Okay, it's all right. We're, we're just we're going to build strength up. But for right now, you know, if performance is still on point, then then we're okay. Um, but you know, we have to understand that there's different periods of time where um, you've got you've got to have your clear goals, and then we can shift gears when it needs to be time to do that. Yeah, does that make sense? Absolutely. I mean, I think it's it's just that conversation and periodization, right? Like looking at a year and being like, you know what, for a few months you're not going to get stronger. If you maintain during a cut, perfect. That's awesome. Yep. That's like optimal, right? But like, we're not always going to be peaking in all aspects of life, health. Yeah longevity and uh fat loss and performance um do you would you say that like because i think a lot of uh there was a really good post and somebody sent it to me and i did a video about it and it was basically like when i take on a client i don't drop calories right away and i agreed with it and it's like i want to like build them up first get consistent stuff like that and i think a lot of people hire nutrition coaches and expect like okay i'm gonna hire them they're gonna put me in the deficit and i'm just gonna start losing weight I think like in my world, sometimes that happens, um, but I'm also not, it's more body composition focused than performance, um, sometimes a combo. In your world, it seems like it's probably either performance or it's a combination of performance and body comp, right? 
do you ever yeah. find that like you bring people on and it's like okay let's keep you where you're at and like try to chase fat loss through other modalities like you said lifestyle training maybe even like eat more move more kind of thing yeah well the thing is when people come on a lot of times they haven't had accountability they haven't had uh, or, or they haven't been diligently tracking so things are all over the place right uh you know one day calories are here one day they're here one day they're there and then there so yeah sometimes i'll say hey let's kind of just stay right on average of what i'm seeing from your food logs and let's not try to go either direction right now let's get a little consistency with where you're of the average of where you're at then we can go from there you know um so i'm not maybe automatically dropping things not automatically increasing but i'm kind of trying to say find out where you're at you know so and then at that point if you can get people consistent from there sometimes that happens you know um sometimes you see body composition changes just like that because you're giving the body some consistency yeah i love that i think it's so important for people to hear that especially from people more than just one person because i feel like i've said it enough times like i love when somebody else can actually like say that they have experience in that as well um i want to dive into like performance performance so like my my number one question is basically because i know that people always want to like hear this kind of stuff um what does a do they call it a pro crossfit athlete it's it uh, kind of sounds weird know. when you say it like that but it should be like a pro bodybuilder pro football player should be a pro yeah. crossfit athlete but it's just a crossfit games athlete. i guess yeah i guess just a crossfit games athlete <laughs> i don't know <laughs> um i started saying it now as it was coming out of my mouth i was like that doesn't sound right um so a crossfit games athlete what does nutrition look like for somebody like that i just i like give us an insight of like I mean, obviously macros are individual, but you can kind of let us know like maybe what that tends to lean towards. And like, I mean, even things like supplementation, hydration, sodium, things like that around games day and, and the recovery protocols, like how in depth do you go and what is like a, a bird's eye view plan look like? Yeah, um, it's, it's different with everyone, but the basics tend to be the same, right? Um, just about everybody is going to be higher carb than than fat. <laughs> everybody actually that I coach uh, in the elite CrossFit realm is higher carbohydrate um, and definitely not a higher fat approach. Um, and we're we're definitely taking a look at some nutrient timing. So uh, typically, even if they're doing an, um, an earlier morning workout, they're starting the day with some type of carbohydrate uh, the night before they're uh, having a higher carbohydrate meal. And then when they get up in the morning, um, if they have some time beforehand, it's going to be uh, a whole food meal, um, higher carbs, and some protein. Otherwise, they're going to take in, you know, a liquid source. Um, and then we're taking a look at if, if they're doing. Sorry, my dog's going a little crazy here. Um, <laughs> they're little like kids, you know. Um, it, if they're doing two sessions, which most of them are, we're really paying attention to that post-workout time frame right after that first workout. Um, I'm typically suggesting getting in a liquid source of protein and carbohydrate. Um, it's pretty, um, yeah, pretty common. Uh, the highly branched cyclic dextrin, uh, a lot of people will do carbolin. Um, those are some like the two big ones. Um, and then they'll get a whole food meal in uh, about 45 minutes to an hour after that. Um, typically there's enough time to do that before their second session. Um, and then we're, we're kind of going from there with them in looking at the rest of their day. So that's on a day-to-day -day basis. Um, if it's competition day, um, we're kind of sticking with a lot of the same things that we've done in training. Um, <coughs> excuse me. Um, I, I never have someone do, oh, okay, well, today we're going to introduce, you know, liquid carbs, you know, a, a carb supplement on game day that you haven't done before, right? So it's always, if we're gonna do it on game day, we're gonna practice it beforehand. Um, so that's a big thing too, is just making sure we're sticking with the same thing. Uh, I'm also a big fan of making sure, you know, yes, we're looking at hydration and fluids, but also using a little bit of sea salt before, um, uh, before a workout. Um, that's, I feel like, uh, actually kind of a game changer. It's really, really important, uh, especially, um, you know, in the hotter months, that's just huge. And <clears throat> sorry, I've had a lot of athletes tell me like, oh, wow, like that was, that actually kind of helped, I think, you know, 
And so that becomes really important is taking a look at, um, you know, especially at the games in Madison um, this past year, the humidity. I mean, um, <clears throat> if you're just taking in water, you're not doing yourself justice. You know, you've got to be replacing that sodium as well. Um, in fact, in the uh, about two months, month and a half uh, leading up to the games, we had um, some long, um, uh, long workouts. And I actually had some of the athletes that were going to the games, I had them weigh themselves um, beforehand, before the workout, and then weighed themselves after. Uh, and we tracked whether or not, you know, they drank any water from their uh, shaker bottle during the workout. And then we weighed afterwards um, just to see uh, what their, their sweat losses were. Mm. Um, and that was um, interesting to, to kind of take a look at. And I think it's important for them to know as well, like, hey, take a look at this because we need to make sure then that we're, we're, we're checking ourselves on that, you know, um, and replenishing appropriately. So that was definitely something um, I utilized this past year with a couple of the athletes. Um, let's see what else you, uh one thing I, for the people listening i, I gotta say like number one the sea salt thing is like very underrated when i was first yeah. introduced to that i was actually surprised at how much better i felt during the sessions just 30 minutes after taking down some sea salt and i was like and that's and you mostly do lifting right i mean yours yeah. isn't even a ton of conditioning yeah and yeah absolutely I mean, it's, it goes for, it doesn't even just have to be a long cardio session or you know, a lot like a CrossFit Metcon or something. It could be someone, you know, doing specifically bodybuilding. It's yeah. I think it's, it's, it's huge. Yeah. It's a game changer. And I will say like for, cause I've, I've had a few competitive CrossFit athletes I, I've given that protocol to, and it's like, it was a big help for them too. And it's so simple, but I like how it's like, I think that things are actually more simple than most people make them out to be. And you can tell that by how you're talking because it's not really like, it, this is like in bodybuilding peak week. It's like, oh, what am I gonna do for peak week? And it's like, well, it's not really about peak week. It's about what you did the six months leading up to peak week, right? Yeah. Peak week, we might give you some more water, take it away, do some like little tiny things, give you some salt before the workout, but it's nothing too crazy. Um, as far as periodizing your uh, uh, clients going into, like if you know that the games or the open or a sanctioned event is, whether that's a few weeks away or a few months, like, do you have any specific things that you like to do leading up to those? And then what that looks like afterwards as well. Yeah. Um, sometimes we'll do like a test weekend also. Um, so if, uh, in fact, this past week, I had a couple of clients that wanted to test out some timing, some things uh, for when they're going to be doing the open workout and kind of how that's going to play out. So we ran through some just specific timing of things, how to do their day, because for athletes, and even if you're not on the high-end super elite level, um, it, you're just, we'll call it recreationally competitive, right? You still want to do well. You do, I think a lot of people thrive off of regimen, right? Like having a plan. And so <clears throat> that's, that's what we do is get some, get, get a plan in place. And they, they kind of practice it like, preparing their food and their meals and kind of their timing um, the couple of days beforehand. And then for that day, just kind of running through how they would with the open or how they would for the, the weekend of competition, or if it's a day of competition where they have, you know, four events, um, we kind of practice it, right? Well, what foods sit well with you? Like you should know most of this from training, but maybe, you know, this is someone's first big competition, their first big three-day event, their first, you know, competition where they've got four events in a day. And so um, we kind of run through some of that stuff and, and start finding out, well, like, you're not going to have as much time for a big meal. How do some pureed foods work for you and things like that? So yeah, we, we run through some things. Um, and, and I think that's really helpful for, like I said, not just the competitive, like the elite athletes, but even those who, who just want to do really well. We just I think we as humans really thrive off of having a plan and having some kind of structure. And as an athlete, like just having to think about going to work out, not stressing about what you're going to be doing all day long, like all day of that competition or what am I going to have? It's, it's so nice to just have someone to be there to kind of plan that out for you. You yeah. know, hundred percent. Do you, do you ever have like a, uh, 
I know this is a yes for sure with people who are under eating because you have to. Um, but is there ever a plan of like, okay, like we have this much time before this event. I actually want to like get your calories as high as possible leading to the event. Or is it more of like, okay, we have this long, let's get them up as soon as possible and just keep them up. So like more of a linear, like let's just keep you fueling constantly. Or would you rather like kind of slowly peak somebody up? Um, I know there's obviously the worry about added weight, but some people have an approach of periodization where they actually like to bring calories and carbs up into the event and then they taper them down. Some people it's like, fuck that, let's give you fuel and keep you fueled all the way through. Do you have any opinions on that or is it very person to person? Uh, yeah, it, it, well, it varies person to person. Um, I, I had a few people that wanted to um, drop some weight going into the open. And so we periodized that, tried to, tried to do that, get that done uh, by about a week and a half, two weeks ago. And they knew that, you know, going into this, hey, you want to be competitive in the open. So <clears throat> we've, we've got to get the, the calories and the carbs back up, you know, going into it. And so I do try to periodize it as much as possible. Um, it comes down to each person, how that works out. Some people respond, as you know, really well to a big increase in calories. Uh, so that works out very well for some people. Some people do freak out a little bit about the weight gain. And again, I think that's a huge reason to have a coach is just to talk you through it and then to know how to kind of manipulate that and make some of the necessary changes. Um, yeah, I don't, I don't like to just drop a bunch of calories or put somebody too low going into an event uh, or into the open. Um, if it's, if it's somebody who is just going to be doing the open, then as kind of their, their regular workout routine, then we can probably stay with where they're at for the most part. Um, but if, if there's somebody who's looking to be competitive then we got to make sure, especially this day and age, because the open can mean a good bit to the individuals because you can qualify either in your country or, you know, from top 20 in the open. So uh, it means something and people are doing these workouts, you know, twice. So sometimes like on Friday and Monday and uh, depending on the workout, I mean, it can take a lot out of your system and they're, they're not just doing those two workouts. Like they're actually doing a, a two training sessions on Friday, a training session or two on Saturday, and then, you know, a training session Monday morning, and then the redo of the open workout on Monday afternoon, right? And so um, there's, there's no time for uh, taking calories down, you know, and it, it's, it's got to be full full speed ahead on on uh on the performance end of things yeah I, i'm i'm on the same wavelength i'm a big fan of keeping calories as high as possible without gaining any weight and like you said if somebody has a weight loss goal i, I mean there's two things that if you have a weight loss goal and you're just doing the open because your gym's doing it well the open is a secondary goal the main goal is weight loss so who really cares and then the other side yeah. of that like we'll lose weight on another time of year like we have to focus on performance right now yep um but I, I would have totally agree because I've, I've even had people that wonder like about the whole periodization thing inside of performance. And I'm like, for the most part, to be honest with you, I want to get your fuel up and then just keep it there. Because mm -hmm. if you want to do good down the line, like we have to continually do good every week inside your training to progressively get better. So let's just keep fueling you. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, I did have one question I was curious about because I'm sure you run into clients. I mean, we all do that have um, gut issues and things like that. So I'm curious if digestive uh, health comes into your side of coaching or, or what you focus on at all um, for two things. One, obviously, if somebody has digestive health, you got to worry about it. But then the other side of it is there's kind of this movement where people are focusing more on it just from a standpoint of we think your body's going to utilize fuel better if your digestion is healthy. Do you focus yeah. on digestive health, gut health, um, specific foods or like, st I know like, some people are like, oh, just get calories in. And then some people are like, no, cal like what kind of calories you get in matter? Like where do you sit on that spectrum? Yeah, it kind of depends on the person. Um, if someone comes to me and any of the questions or, you know, information that we go over kind of is telling me like, oh man, you know, or things that have gone on in the past um, or currently. And I'm just like, you know, something just doesn't quite sound right. Um, and you start kind of digging around and, and finding out a little more about some of the digestive stuff that's going on. Um, 
yeah, we'll, we'll pay attention to that for sure. Um, it's not, it's definitely not just going to be about, yeah, just get the food in however you want to hit your macros. You know, I definitely think that quality matters as well. And then taking a look at things. In fact, um, what was it? Uh, about a couple of weeks ago, um, someone at the gym, at, um, had kind of been talking to me about how for a while now she's had a lot of bloating, a lot of gas, just, um, heartburn, acid reflux, just couldn't figure out what was going on. And so we just kind of went through piece by piece, like all the things that she ate and she's not someone that has to worry about body composition at all, but she's a performance athlete. And so, uh, kind of had just been eating, had been eating well, high quality, but just kind of like, oh yeah, I'll have the dairy, I'll have uh, eggs, I'll have all the stuff, you know, different things. And so, yeah, we we definitely took a look at eliminating some foods. Um, we took out the eggs, um, much to her dismay. She was like, what am I going to do for breakfast? I'm like, yo, egg, like, dude, have dinner for breakfast. People have breakfast for dinner. Like, but yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you no, know, it, it can be hard though, right? Do you get those people that are like, oh, yeah. then what do I do for breakfast? Yeah. Uh, you know, bacon and eggs. Uh, uh, we, we took out the eggs. Um, we took out dairy and eliminated two other things. I said, you know what, let's just take that stuff all out and you tell me how you feel. And, um, we added a couple of, um, uh, a couple of th- digestive enzymes. I had her start taking digestive enzymes. And uh, within a couple of days, she was actually less, she had no more gas, no more bloating. Um, and two weeks later now, she's actually doing a lot better. So um, yeah, we, we definitely take a look at that. So, you know, elite athletes are just as susceptible to these kind of things as anyone else. So, um, but we also, a big thing besides just the food, and I'm kind of going off on a tangent here, but besides just the food, we looked at sleep, stress, lifestyle, like, hey, what have, what's, what have you been going through? And there was a few things that popped up and I was like, oh, okay, well, maybe some stress, you know, um, you know, what can we improve from all these different aspects, you know? And, and so, yeah, the, the food gets looked at, we try taking some things out, um, and and then going from there, but yeah, taking a look at some of the lifestyle stuff too that can cause people some um, some issues with like uh, digestive situations, you know. Right. So yeah, but um, I, think, I think that plays a huge role that people are unaware, or I shouldn't say mm-hmm. unaware of, but just don't pay attention to is the stress. Like, because I get that all yeah. the time. Like, well, what should I eliminate? And I'm like, well, the stress, <laughs> not necessarily your yeah. food, you know. Like, yeah. let's talk about that first. And I think that the more and more research, I mean, we're still in the infancy of gut health, but the more and more we learn about that, we learn so much more about like neurotransmitters and all these chemicals and all these things, yeah. like hormonal responses that are tied to your gut. And honestly, one of the big things for me, I, are you familiar with Stan Efforting? Yes. Uh-huh. So, so he's big on the vertical diet. We had him on the podcast yeah. and I kind of gave some of the philosophies a try and I felt so much better because I was able to eat the same amount of calories, but I was digesting them better. So in my opinion, the calorie partitioning was probably better. I'm probably utilizing those calories a little bit better. All of a sudden, I started training a little bit better. All of a sudden, I felt a little bit leaner, which could have been just bloat, but nobody squats and and does Metcons well when they're bloated and gassy as hell. So it's like, you really do got to focus on these things to kind of like like you said at the very, very beginning, like focusing on more than just body composition. It's like, let's focus on health and performance as like indirect goals that will lead to a better body composition goal, which is like yeah. kind of the world I live in. Um, the other thing I want to ask you about too is uh, carb cycling with any of your athletes. And mm-hmm. the reason I wanted to ask about this is, do you ever find a point where it's like, for example, like you, you, you see this a lot where people are under eating and you're like, well, we have to give you more calories, but we also can't afford for you to gain a bunch of weight. Do you ever use mm-hmm. carb cycling as a way to make sure that there's a ton of calories coming in around training, maybe not on the non-training days so their weekly balance is a little bit lower than where it should be just to avoid weight gain or the second part of that question is do you ever have any applicable reason to have like a low carb period of time maybe it's not low calorie but you crank fats up and drop carbs for maybe a week two weeks three weeks four weeks a couple months like extended period of time with an athlete to try to create metabolic flexibility or just change what's going on do you ever have any applicable reason to do so yeah, sometimes um, I will definitely, if, if I have someone that comes on that isn't eating uh, as much as I would like them to, and I want to start bumping things up, then I'll kind of take where they're currently at. 
uh, bump that up a little on most days and then maybe two days a week. Um, make sure that, you know, they're training days because I think people feel better um, from a, a psychological standpoint about having higher carbohydrates and more food on training days. Uh, yeah, I'll kind of sneak that in there and just say, on two days, you're going to have, you know, and, and try to bump it up a, a, lo a lot higher. Um, so I try to do that and then start, you know, kind of evening things out a little bit more for the athlete. Um, if, if there's somebody who I think that's going to work better for, um, does that kind of answer part of it? Yeah, yeah that was the, yep. So I, I like to do that. Um, because like I said, some people can, some people are all in and they're like, whatever you say, I'm good with, I'll be able to handle it. And some people, it's just like, you know what? I, it, I think it might be better to do that type of approach. And, and, and I think that it can work really well for a lot of people. Um, I, I do think that there are periods of time where you can go a little bit lower um, on, say, somebody's rest day, and you want to give maybe the same amount of calories, so I'll kind of bump their fats up more um, and bring their carbohydrates down just a little bit. And sometimes that helps with people who actually like to have more fats and are having a hard time keeping their fats down. Um, and so that actually gives them a little bit of leeway on those days. So sometimes that helps with adherence from what I can see. And um, they're still getting energy in. Um, I'm not taking carbs down super low so that they would not feel great the next day, really. Um, but taking them down maybe a little bit lower and then making sure I talk to them about like, hey, I would really like to make sure that you do get yourself in um, at least a good size meal before your training. That might mean that you have to have, you know, a shake with, you know, 50 to 75 grams of carbohydrates that are going to be fast digesting because I, I want you to feel, uh, feel good during a workout. Because one of the worst things you can hear from an athlete is, man, I felt crummy today during my workout, you know, and, and that just automatically makes them think like this approach isn't going to work, you know? Um, so yeah. it keeps them positive. I love it. Um, we're running out on time here, so I don't want to keep you too much longer, but I feel like I could just keep quizzing you. Cause I love, I, I just love coach talk. Like, I want to, uh, this is why I like doing the round tables on my podcast too. It just like, it's, it's not always that I get another coach on the screen that I can just kind of, I hate the term, pick your brain, but like be able to yeah. just pick the brain and kind of go back and forth with. Um, but the last question I'm going to leave you with is, uh, like we can either do top three or top five, whatever you come up with. But, um, I really like how like simple your approach is. I love that you really, really focus on consistency, adherence, like lifestyle like a lot of the things that you talk about resonate with me and I think a lot of people see some of the athletes you work with and they get like this like glamour thing from it like where it's like it's got to be this like crazy elaborate and you really like to like walk people through things step by step and like show them and I love that about you so I'm curious like what are your top three to five uh principles for coaching I guess you could say for like the listener listening is like I need to hire a coach like what should I be focusing on? What should I be looking for in a coach? Like what makes your coaching effective? If that makes sense. Oh gosh. Um, Sell us right now. Jen. Oh man. <laughs> oh, I'm a terrible salesperson. No, so, <laughs> you know this. But, um, I, okay. <laughs> but I mean it, I mean it in a very educational way. Like, what do you think? Yeah, yeah, like, no, I know. what do you think are like the biggest things that you've learned? Because you've been coaching for a long time. You did it for free and then you finally turned it into your career. And then yeah. we didn't even get to get into this side of things, which I wanted to, but we will another time you quit your, your secure, stable job to go all in on this. And that's a big risk for a lot of people. So obviously yeah. shit is working for you, but like, what do you think are those top three or five things that like really help you hone in with a client and build success? Uh, I, I think one of the biggest things is understanding uh, you, you want a coach that doesn't just hear your goal and, but not dig a little deeper. Mm. Uh, and I could probably go on about that for a while. But what I mean is when someone just, you know, when you ask people, people always apply and say, like you said, people will apply and say uh, muscle gain or fat loss or, you know, performance. But it's kind of like, well, let's dig a little deeper into that. So you want a coach, I think that is going to dig a little bit deeper into those goals. Because I've had people come to me that are like, well, I want to perform better. I want to do this better. And then the whole conversation turns into everything about body image and aesthetics and this and that. And it's like, whoa, like, 
we're let's okay you know uh so let's talk about you, you want a coach that's that's going to listen i suppose that's what i'm trying to say you want a coach that's really going to listen to your needs um i love what else? like what else? like not to interrupt but on that you said uh one thing you you said basically wants to ask why like a good coach basically ask why 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 and i think another thing that you've said a million times without even realizing it and i say it all the time is it depends and i think yeah. that's a good sign of a good coach because i kept asking you questions and you'd be like well it depends on this kind of this kind of this kind and i think that's really huge like asking why and saying it depends yeah um i think another thing to look for in a coach is uh that they don't just tell you uh okay here's what's gonna here's what you're gonna do Okay, here you go. Here's what you're going to do. Uh, you, you want someone that's kind of going to give you some of the reasoning behind it, uh, just so that you know why you're doing it. Um, case in point, that's not always just with nutrition. Um, I remember uh, when I started doing like a running program years and years ago uh, from a coach. And at first, I didn't really realize why the heck I was running all the time. I was like, I'm already a great runner. I'm a really good runner. I shouldn't be doing this because I'm a good runner. I'm a really good runner. I can push myself hard. And what I finally realized once the open came around is I fucking crushed it, but I hadn't been doing as much CrossFit. I had just been working my, my threshold. I had been working lactate. I had been working, you know, everything. And once that was explained to me, I was like, I can get on board with this. Whereas man, I had some breakdowns where I was just like, you know what, this is hard, this is stupid, like this isn't worth it. Um, and so if a coach can explain to you why they're doing what they're doing, <clears throat> like if you're someone who is maybe putting on a little bit of weight uh, or you're working more towards you know, uh, changing up body composition and you just don't feel like things are working at first or something, the, the why behind it and knowing why you're doing it is gonna help you stay you know, compliant. And so I think it's really important to have a coach that's going to tell you not only, okay, here's what you're going to do, but here's why. And here's what's going, here's what it's going to do. Theoretically, we're hoping. Yeah. yeah. We're hoping that's how your body will respond because we don't always know. But uh, so yeah, those are, those are two things. Um, let's see. Uh, I think, I don't know. And I, this probably isn't always the right thing to say, but I think you want to coach that that walks the walk. I think you want a coach that practices what they preach. And, um, and, and I think that's kind of important, right? So I go back and forth with saying that sometimes because you look at like, you know, weightlifting, really good weightlifting coaches. And do I always need my weightlifting coach to be able to like snatch and clean and jerk, like the absolute, like the most weight ever? Like, no, that to be good, you don't have to, but um, I think they have to have the principles. Like I would sure like to see them with the, a barbell, at least an empty barbell moving well. Right. Yeah. And so that's going to be a buy-in. And so the same thing with your nutrition coach, like if they're preaching a lifestyle thing, you know, or a nutrition, you know, a protocol, like, are they doing it? Or, yeah. you know, do they follow those same principles? You know, maybe not a hundred percent to a T all the time, but like what, what does everything that your your coach stands for like what does it say about them you know um so i think yeah practicing what you preach and kind of I walking walk one. is is I huge think, to me i think people are afraid to say that publicly because they don't want to like put Oops. down people <laughs> but i think it's so fucking true and i think like uh there's a really really good quote by marcus aurelius that said uh don't explain your philosophy embody it and that's just yeah. like the reality of what it is and i think even like what you said like there's some like super old chubby uh, weight limp uh, olympic lifting coaches that are <laughs> yeah. amazing but if you look at them in the 70s they were crushing it right so right that's exactly. a little bit different and they can get yeah. away with it but or in the situation of like a powerlifting coach that isn't a world record holder He's still working out and pushing himself. He's just genetically ungifted, and he's never going to be the yeah. power lifter. And right. that's just the cards he was dealt, right? Yeah. But like, I think it's so so crucial to at least be able to have the discipline and have the ability and the desire and the motivation. So I 100 percent agree with you. I think that needs to be a prerequisite. Yeah, and and I don't think that the nutrition coach that you work with has to, you know, uh, be an Instagram model per se. Like, you know, not right. everybody's got to have cut rip depth. 
I'm just saying, well, what are, what are their daily routines like? Right. Yeah. Uh, you know, and, and what are they trying to do? What effort are they putting in? And I think that just goes a long way if people see that that's what you do. hundred percent, hundred percent agree with that. So would you say that's your top three or do you have another one for me? You don't yeah, have to, but, but if I you do, say, I guess it's my top three. Um, yeah, I think so. Yeah. I love it. Everything everything else is just standard. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> no, I, I think those I are those are some big ones that can keep people on. You know, anybody can hire someone that can just throw them some macros or tell them the same old thing like, hey, here's how to create a plate. Like pick a, you know, this, this, and this. And anybody can pick someone that's going to hand them a meal plan. And uh, I think I've heard you say this before. Maybe there's somebody like anybody can get someone to probably lose weight, you know. Uh, but what are the things that, that make you want to stay with that person and stay with that coach and what is different about them. And I think, mm-hmm. yeah, I think some of those are the big things. Yeah, I agree hundred percent. I think, I don't even know if I would add to it. Basically you said a coach that uh, is descriptive. He wants details. He or she wants details. They ask why somebody that provides education, which I agree with so much. I think if they don't explain what is going on and the education behind it, you won't have self-belief. If you don't have self-belief in the program you're following, you're just not going to follow the program. Yeah. And then last but not least, they walk the walk. So I think that's the perfect three. Um, Jen, thank you so much for coming on. This was a blast. I'm glad that we finally got to thank do it this you. time and everything was so well. Yeah. Um, where can everybody find you? Uh, Instagram, website, all that stuff so, so we can make sure people are checking you out. Uh, my website is lifelineperformance.com. My uh, email is jen at lifelineperformance.com. Uh, my Instagram is Jen, uh, underscore, underscore Ryan. Um, and then I'm just Jen Ryan on Facebook. Uh, I think that's it. Perfect. Go check her out guys. I'm going to link that in the show notes. Uh, she's a great person to follow for good content on just coaching in general, but then also a lifestyle of an athlete slash coach, somebody that actually walks the walk. This is the perfect example of that. Um, so once again, Jen, thank you for being here. Thank you. Before I let you go, I just want to say thanks. I seriously appreciate you spending this last hour or so with me, educating yourself to get better results. It still humbles me to this day that people around the world literally have me in their headphones or their speakers just to learn. It's so empowering, and because of that, I have three quick things for you. The first one is a personal favor. Please leave me a five-star rating and review on iTunes. When you do this, not only does it help me learn and get better at making podcasts for you to get better results, but it helps us grow inside of iTunes, which allows us to invest more, again, to get you better results. The second thing, head over to boomboomformance.com slash sign dash up or click the link in the show notes to get your free copy of the Nutrition Hierarchy. This is everything you need to know about nutrition to change your body composition or performance inside of a manual. I take the leading evidence inside of research and all the principles, methods, and tools based on some of the top professionals in the industry, and I put them all in a book so you can learn more about your nutrition and get better results. The third thing, this is a personal invitation to shoot me a DM on Instagram or email me at cody at boomboomperformance.com. I will help you troubleshoot anything you need. This is literally an invitation to jump in my inbox and ask me anything you want and let me help you. All right, guys, that's all I got for you this time. I appreciate you being here and I'll see you next time.